Josephine Shaker, uh, Detroit local now, uh, previously a longtime Chicago resident. Uh, burlesque has been, I guess, the past 15 years of my life or so. It's definitely the culmination of a lot of weird hobbies, I'd say. Uh, you know, growing up, I always had that fascination with movie musicals, you know, things that came out in like the 50s, the really big kind of Technicolor spectacles like Carousel and like Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, which is like super problematic, but gorgeous, gorgeous when you like don't think too hard about what's happening on screen. Um, there's a lot of, I mean, singing in the rain. Like it, when you when you look at these Technicolor movies, it's it's so much more than just a movie. It's it's the entire concept of fantasy made real. They have all these like dream sequences worked into the movies and stuff like that. Just like really kind of surreal stuff happens and everyone just treats it like it's normal and and that sort of weirdness and that fascination with with that being able to exist kind of led me to a lot of weird hobbies um so i am from ohio originally and i worked at our local renaissance festival for some years um, which is odd to be a black person working at a renaissance festival it's it was really contentious at first because they couldn't really send me away for being black. So like showing up to the audition was just like, <laughs> I had no one, no one had done it before. Um, so it was kind of interesting to, to be the first black person on the cast there in my time there and kind of decide people didn't have the ability to tell me I couldn't belong in a space. And so that's kind of how I've always played my burlesque situation as well, where I choose acts that are sometimes aesthetically not things that are where black people are welcome, and that's why I choose it. I was just raised that way, not so much that my parents raised me to be like a disruptor, um, but quite the opposite. They raised my sister and I in very kind of conventionally white spaces and then expected us to assimilate. The job was to fit in. And and so making room for myself in places where we weren't generally meant to be was just the expectation. And then once I became an adult and kind of started existing in the world, I realized most people don't do that. And I would say in Chicago, I expected it because Chicago is a massive city and is it's segregated and people want to pretend like it's not, but when you live in the city, you realize that there are places where certain people of certain races go and don't go. And it's not just like, oh, because this is, uh, you know, Logan Square and it's a more Hispanic neighborhood or it used to be before it gentrified or not like, you know, this is Chinatown and obviously it's Chinese and we'll never gentrify, but, but rather because people just did not feel comfortable crossing certain areas of the city or hanging out in certain neighborhoods. And, and that was really jarring to me. Like I said, having grown up where I was just forced to assimilate and I wasn't given any other option, it was really strange to me to move to Chicago and see people really made deliberate decisions to keep to themselves or, or were so pushed out of a space that they didn't even feel safe or comfortable entering spaces that were obviously designated as like not for them, so to speak. Um, and and to spend so many years there it was really odd. So when in burlesque is the same way, it, the the city reflects its art community, reflects its city. It's all kind of circular. So then moving here, I was really surprised to find that there is such a lack of diversity in the burlesque community because the city is so black. It is so much blacker here than when I lived in Chicago that I was honestly very very surprised. 
that the community arts, all arts communities, not just burlesque, but all of the arts communities are stunningly white. There's definitely just me existing where I've decided to exist and not being worried about like the comfort level of the people around me. I just, I'm, I'm going to place, I'm doing a thing. I can be stubborn in that way. And, and so I'm not really worried about, you know, as long like if a place has a dress code, I meet the dress code, you know? So as long as I technically belong in the space, I'm just not willing to fight about it. And, and so those are boundaries I'm absolutely comfortable pushing and often do. But I think there's also, especially now that I'm here and I'm trying to expand my reach and get into producing and things of that nature, I've definitely had to change how I am interacting with people. There is a little more, I don't want to say like a calculation, but I have to do more thinking about who I have access to and if I am able to flip that into access to something else or somewhere else or how one thing builds upon another, right? It's building. It's not manipulation. It's not coercion. You know, it's all these, I feel like there are a lot of negative terms that can be applied to some sort of like, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy, sort of a situation. But I think that in white communities, that's how things get done is someone knows someone who knows someone who knows someone. And so I'm just trying to apply those strategies to the other side where we are. Um, I do help co-produce um, an all-black festival that was based in Chicago when we all lived there. Um, it's called Jeezy's Juke Joint. Most of us don't live in Chicago anymore, though, so we are technically on hiatus. Um, but we've also been a traveling show. We've been, most recently, we were in San Francisco, but we've been to New York and Tennessee and Iowa once and a bunch of other places. Um, and so I'm trying to get the community to collectively fundraise enough money to have a show here because I think that the, due to the scale of the show, if people could see what is available as far as like entertainment possibilities, then it would really open things up, not just on like the venue side and them being more open to different kinds of entertainment, but also on the performer side, I think we all kind of exist in our own little islands and it's burlesque is here and drag is there and circus is here and comedy is over there and there's all these little things. But I think part, well, definitely part of the goal of Jeezy's Jew Joint and what I think the city here needs is a grouping of all of us into just one entertainment collective community where we all share fan groups, where we all share audience. Because right now we all have separate little audiences, but if we can all group together, we have one giant audience. And since Jeezy's Juke Joint is a cabaret, but also a weekend long festival, it's kind of the best of both worlds. We have, you know, uh, an internationally famous tap dancer that we book every year. Uh, we have, <clears throat> you know, dance troops. We have solo performers, circus people, strippers, like strip club strippers, circus people, any kind of entertainment. If you're black, we'll book it. And then it, it we've been on Netflix. We've been on ebony.com. Like the, the, the ways that we try to uplift other black performers is like the core of what GC's Juke Joint is about. And I want that here. I want that everywhere. It's just a matter of get, finding a appropriately sized venue and then getting the money together. But this city could really handle something like that and I think would embrace it, you know? If you were having the experience where you're interested in something and it really like vibes with you, then you shouldn't be concerned about how people outside of you are perceiving that because that's like the first step. It's just like enjoy what you enjoy and not be 
super wrapped up in like, oh, do other people make fun of me for enjoying this? Like, why? Why? Does, why is that pertinent to this conversation? You know. But I think that that's something that we all kind of internalize, and you just have to like learn to scoot past as a person. It's just like it doesn't actually matter if people think that what you're into is weird or not. Um, so, you know, have the art you like, read the books you like, put whatever movies on that you enjoy. People should just do those things. And I think when it comes to like erotica specifically, I mean, one, we have bedrooms and basements. If you're really concerned about having it like out where your mom might see it, that's, you have rooms with doors. Um, but also I think we as like Western society just have a real problem with embracing the beauty of the human body and and that's something that I think we all should just move past. Not that everyone has to want to be naked in public. Not everyone has to want to be a stripper. But I think that if we could all just like find a little more comfort with allowing people to do whatever they're consenting to do with other people who are also consenting, then we'd all be like significantly happier in our personal lives. As an event overall, I think it is a really great intro to the greater kink community in our city and also what other kinds of entertainment are available. Um, you know, people don't know that burlesque is as alive here as it is. People don't realize, you know, drag and circus and all those other kinds of things are happening. And we hear it from audience members every day. They're always, oh my God, I didn't know that you guys did this. I didn't know this was happening. So much is happening kind of under the radar. The Dirty Show is a great intro to just a lot of things for a lot of people. Um, I think it's a great opportunity uh, because they do welcome people kind of dressing up that people can become a little more comfortable wearing something scandalous, which I think is so great. Um, <laughs> Because people just are so buttoned up here, you know? There's not as much, just with what I see people wearing on the street, no one's having fun. <laughs> and I think Dirty Show is just a really cute opportunity for people to just really wave their free flags for a second and just, like, get loose and wear whatever leather they have in the closet. Um, and that's wonderful, you know? Be weird for a minute. Um, for me as a performer, I mean, it's such a big stage. It's so much room to... to Play, you know, you have your act and you do the thing you do, but when you have a larger space, you can kind of rethink how you do things and then engage with your space and with your audience in a different way. And I love that. I think uh, my first night last year, I was nervous because I opened the show and it was my first time doing it. So it kind of felt like there was a lot of pressure, but... I, you know, you get out there and the music starts and, you know, if you know what you're doing, you know what you're doing. And I, I think it's, it's really, it's hard to describe unless you've like been there in, in that sort of an experience. But I think because the audience at Dirty Show can often be really fresh, like this is just the concept is so new to them. There's a little bit of a freedom in that and it does kind of release the pressure because they don't know what to expect. So I can kind of give them anything. And that's really great. That's really freeing. And I think that's good. It allows you, at least for me as a performer, I like to think like I'm giving these people what they're going to understand burlesque to be. So when they leave, I want them to think that is burlesque and hopefully they enjoyed it. But, but I don't, I guess what I do want is for them to kind of get the concept and then be able to kind of share with their friends that they've had that experience. 
in this city, I've been doing burlesque longer than most. I'm new to this city. I'm not new to burlesque. And so that's kind of an, it's brought a different flavor, I think, to what I do. I think people just out in the world, especially in the age of social media, have very different concepts of boundaries. A lot of times it's, you know, how old are you? Did you grow up with a smartphone? How, you know, did you grow up with social media? Like there's, there's a different comfort level for different people, I think, based on kind of generational issues and family issues. And so it's really unpredictable how someone with a phone in the audience is going to behave and how a performer is going to feel about it if those two things are not discussed beforehand. So I would say that the onus is always on producers to discuss with their cast the level of comfort that each individual person has with photography and tagging on social media and that that all needs to be addressed prior to the show happening. And I also think that it is on the producer to then work with the venue to present to the audience members, let's say a code of conduct prior to the show starting. Generally, what, what I'm used to is on the, on the audience side, the host will say, hey, do this, not that. This is weird, don't do that. This is okay and this isn't, and kind of give the audience a rundown so they know what to do and not do. Um, some producers like to have um, like a poster that people can read with the rules. Um, you know, and I think if you don't tell people the rules, you can't be mad at them when they break them. But once rules are established on both sides, then it's up to everybody to uphold their own agreements. That's just like standard issue social contract stuff. You know, it's, it's like not walking into each other on the sidewalk. Choose to not be a dick, you know. Um, personally, not here have I felt unsafe, not in a long time. And I know like, you know, knock on wood or whatever. But I think a lot of it is just the years in the industry and the years, honestly, like as a woman existing on this planet, I do think that I have kind of some inherent, I don't want to say paranoia, but just a, a need to be aware of like things that are happening around me so that I'm aware of my physical safety. Um, I know some girls do like to carry pepper spray and stuff like that. Um, I'm big on, you know, I calls to my family and stuff like that. So people know where I am. Um, and generally leaving shows and stuff, a lot of producers are have pre-planned to have someone like walk you to your car to make sure, you know, that you're safe in that way. And I really appreciate that when, when they've like pre-planned assistance for us to make sure, um, because especially in a city like this one, a venue just has one parking lot. And so we'll be parked where the audience members are parked. And so having someone whose job it is to make sure that they stay away from us while we're trying to go home is great. And I do think that as a performer, it's up to you to manage how your real life interacts with your show life. You know, I like to tell people that like, I myself, my government self lives a life, has a home, takes care of myself, works a day job. It's like I have a roommate. She's a separate person with her own wardrobe and her own box of wigs and shoes and things that just belong to her and sometimes go do a thing together. But ultimately, I have like a real life to maintain outside of that. And no one can do that for me. No producer can protect me from that. Ultimately, we have to find those ways to protect ourselves.